The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Uh, I want to thank the Lord for uh, something at church and read a psalm. Uh, namely, I want to thank the Lord for a choir at church, but I'd like to uh, set it in a personal context. For when we think of all the great hymns and songs that the Lord gives us from the church, uh, we, we might normally think of joining with God's people through the ages to praise his name and to sing his praises. But at the same time, the, the music that the Lord has given through um, his people also comes into our own lives. And so I know in my personal life, uh, I can represent this by a few songs. When Sherry and I were married, part of our ceremony is we, we sang holy, 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 all the verses, everyone sang it. And to this day, every time um, I'm in a congregation and we sing holy, 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 both my wife and I are rekindled in our love toward each other. And it's a special thing for us but we also remember that we've given our lives to serve a holy God and to dedicate ourselves to him. I know uh, after a very arduous PhD program, the day that I probably barely passed my uh, defense of my dissertation, I went to the seminary chapel at Dallas and uh, joined with the voices to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And so that's a song that uh, forever reminds me of God's grace in my own life through hard days of study. Um, I know that for uh, uh, the, whenever I hear the song, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, I both join with fellow students who um, went to seminary with me to sing that seminary song, but I remember graduating and um, having my my family still support me through all of those difficult times. And I know uh, from when my kids were little, singing hymns with them, maybe one special one that reminds me of singing hymns at night to my daughter before she slept is, um, And Can It Be? Um, that, that song, all the verses just remind me of the dear relationship I have with my children. And then this one is especially, I've been at this uh, university for 22 years, and um, the university hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, probably the best time to sing it is students who have sat where you sat before, to sing with them at graduation as um, I remember the times that we got to spend together, but singing together that song, that great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, that we join together in his service. And when you come to graduate, I know a few of you have been uh, stuck in classes with me and Many have been fortunate enough to be with some of my colleagues. Um, but nonetheless, we're part of this together. And when we sing at your graduation, um, know that myself and other faculty like me, we're, we're joining with you. We're excited uh, to have this time together, but to see you serve the Lord. I'd like to read a hymn, which you'll hear in the beginning, uh, excuse me, read a psalm, which you'll hear in the beginning, gets at this very thing as... Um, I know that I've just gained a lot, I'm not musical, but joining the choir this fall to um, 
in community then practice every week and do our best to try to praise the name of the Lord when his people gather on the Lord's day. I'd like to read from a psalm. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm 146. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh, my soul. I will praise Yahweh all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in Yahweh, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. Yahweh sets prisoners free. Yahweh gives sight to the blind. Yahweh lifts up those who are bowed down. Yahweh loves righteousness. Yahweh watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. Yahweh reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise Yahweh. Praise it, praise it. You may be seated. Um, I found out this morning uh, my son and daughter-in-law are here. They're in the Mac, and uh, I'm thankful. I'm grateful that they're here. And would you do me a favor, like when you go to lunch, uh, say hi to them. Like just uh, keep saying hi and say uh, your your dad is glad you're here. Okay, or something like that. Um, I think they're recruiting for their camp. A season, uh, here we are, Thanksgiving and Christmas, gratitude and giving. And I can't think of a better drain plug than gratitude and giving on a tub full of self-centeredness and petty jealousies and greed and complaining. And I'd like to read an excerpt from um, a favorite author of mine, his name's Michael Perry, in his book has a bunch of essays called Roughneck Grace. And this is so beautifully written and densely packed that um, perk up your ears because every sentence um, has just a certain beauty and significance to it. Gratitude, such a lovely word, humble and warm. Humble because it's not a word you use if you think you did everything yourself. Humble because no matter how hard you did work at whatever it is you're grateful for, you know and importantly acknowledge there was some luck involved. Warm, because gratitude is not compatible with a cold soul. Warm, because gratitude radiates like the gentle rays of a heart-sized sun. Gratitude goes softly out and does good works, which generates more gratitude. Gratitude is renewable energy. Gratitude is renewable energy. 
Gratitude, because to offer anything less would be to ignore all privilege. The privilege of existence, the privilege of health, the privilege of privilege. And now we are back at humility, or ought to be. Gratitude, because the world is awash with the sour surf of opposing sediments. Gratitude, for those who show us the same. Gratitude even in grumpiness, which is to say, I am not talking all hosannas, hugs, and puppies here. I'm talking about perspective and preponderance and relativity and a sideways glance into the cosmic mirror where behind me I spy millions of souls who would give all they own for just one of my disappointing Tuesdays. Gratitude as my moral duty. Gratitude, because it's so easy, a note, a word. You don't even have to talk. Gratitude can be soundless. You can speak it with your eyes, share it with a smile, weave it into your works. You can kneel down and offer it up. Gratitude, a triple syllabic salutation to the six directions, whichever way you're pointing. The echoes go on and on. The echoes are gratitude returning. There is the idea among psychologists that gratitude can be cultivated. Put it out there and it comes back to you. Gratitude is a practice, as an intentional act. Gratitude in the form of reflection, a quiet moment, a look back. Gratitude, not as obligation, but as celebration. Gratitude with our loved ones in mind, the ones who suffer our ingratitudes with grace. And that grace, yet another reason for gratitude. Grace, cousin and catalyst to gratitude. And I might add the source of all giving and gratitude. Gratitude, because as this year or this day or this hour or this moment draws to a close, I am reminded it was another year granted, not guaranteed, and therefore not taken for granted. Gratitude, no matter the season, Gratitude, grace, gratitude, and giving. Amen. The university environment is one that is very special to me because it was uh, on a university campus many years ago that the Lord found me. And I am very, very grateful to his grace in that regard. And those of you who have had me for apologetics have heard the story. You'll have to hear it again. Shortly after my conversion, with which, with which came a number of uh, dramatic changes in my life, I went through a very, very... Um, chaotic period of intellectual doubt that tormented me for some time. And uh, I came across, in the Lord's providence, the works of Francis Schaeffer, who was at that time and many times since a stream in the desert for me. I've had many fits and starts of journaling over the years, and I am grateful that this was one of the starts that um, I had. And I'd like to read to you an ancient work. This is a journal entry from a few years after I graduated from college in 1986. 
I believe my gift is teaching, but it is of no more or less importance than any other gift. I would like to be an apologist. I would especially like to minister to young people my age then, <laughs> who grapple with the same questions that I do, both Christians and non-Christians. I have never been one to accept things blindly. If I believe something, I want to know why I believe. And in my presentation of it, I want to be able to present something with substance. As Francis Schaeffer proposed, if one is to bring the message of the gospel to the 20th century, it is first necessary to be familiar with the thoughts and philosophies that prevail and to begin from there. I pray that this is the Lord's calling on my life. I remember uh, during that period praying and asking the Lord, if you would be pleased to use me in the lives of others as you have used Francis Schaeffer in mine, I would be most grateful. So that I am here, an institution unlike many that requires all of its students to take apologetics and that I get to devote so much of my time to working through those issues of ultimacy and such vital importance is a great answer to prayer to me. So you are part of what I am thankful for. I love the classroom. I love the give and take of engagement in the classroom, but increasingly what I have become more and more grateful for are the spontaneous conversations that arise outside of the classroom. When students wait around to talk to me, and I admit that initially my suspicion is it is to ask for an extension. <laughs> but when it's not that, and it's something like just wanting to better understand something, not because first and foremost it's on the test, but because they want to grow in their knowledge of God and his word and his ways. Or if it's someone sticking around because something that was in, said in class really, really impressed upon them uh, some way that God is dealing with them and they want to talk about it. Or I'm thankful for the times where someone poses a question that I have never even considered and how that is such benefit to me as well. I could go on and on how grateful I am for those spontaneous conversations that bleed over into the halls and sometimes into my office, not only for what I can give, but also what I have so greatly received. So I thank God for his kind providence to me. I thank God for being a prayer-hearing God, a prayer-answering God, who heard and answered the prayer of a young Christian who's now an old Christian, but nevertheless filled with gratitude. I thank him. Good morning. My name is Jared Bryan. I teach in the School of Divinity. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, although that was not always the case. When I was young and a little boy, uh, the, the holiday that I looked forward to most was Christmas, because at Christmas you get stuff, right? Thanksgiving is just like 
a meal with adults. So, but it's a little different now that I'm a little bit older and uh, I'm looking forward to not just the good food, but also time with family. Uh, and specifically this Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for uh, the generations within my family and where I find myself in the family tree. I'm thankful to be able to uh, stand above those in my family tree and stand below those in my family tree. Here's what I mean. I'm able to stand above my children and my nephews and my nieces and I get to talk to them. And even though I remember what it's like to be a six-year-old in the 1980s, I don't know what it's like to be a six-year-old today because times have changed as they always do. And so I can gain a little bit of a glimpse into the life and lives of, my, of those who stand uh, below me by talking to them and asking them questions because that's an experience today that I will never be able to, to have. But also I'm able to stand below those in my family tree with my parents and my aunts and uncles and my grandparents and for those of you who are fortunate enough, your great-grandparents because I certainly don't know what it's like to be a six-year-old in the 1950s, or the 40s, or the 30s, or the 20s. And so we can ask. And it, this Thanksgiving is really a great opportunity for you all to connect with your family, and some of you will only see certain family members once a year, and some of you less than once a year. But this is a great opportunity to connect with your family those with whom you stand above and those with whom you stand below, uh, to make that connection, to make that communal family connection, and all that much greater if they're Christians. So I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Good morning. This is a very special month. Yes, we stuff groceries down our neck until we can't move. <laughs> All sorts of things come together. I'm looking forward to Thursday. There'll be something like 25 people at our house. Kids, dogs, cats, grown-ups, all the grandparents are gone, now that's me. <laughs> but this month has another meaning. 50 years ago this month, I sat down in my girlfriend's living room and asked her to marry me. Uh, she said, yeah. And God has graced us in marvelous ways. We sat down the other night and just went through who we are, where we've been, the things we've done, the things we've seen. And still probably one of the standouts in all that, we were musing with each other about what was marked out in eternity past, if you can allow me to use that language. She and I discovered in time and space, when the, when the Lord found us. 
For me, it was 1952 at a kids' meeting at Wallace Memorial United Presbyterian Church in downtown Washington, D.C. For her, it was in her dad's church when she was 10. The two of us together now for 50 years come this coming June have three children who all married in the Lord and all love the Lord themselves. From that is eight grandchildren. We're working on them. They run from 22 to 3. It'll be a full room on Thanksgiving for sure. One thing about our house, there's very little leftovers. There's a 30-pound turkey that's going to grace that table, and a ham, and this, and that, and the other, and the craziness will continue well into the night and probably into the next day when whatever's left gets devoured for breakfast. It's amazing. It's insane. All of that to say, one of the joys of my life is to watch this happen right before my eyes, with me involved in it right up to my eyelids. And the Lord has allowed us in these last years to move back together with all of our families. The furthest grandchild from me is two miles away. Wonderful. It's an amazing thing to hear a 10-year-old say, wow, I'm only 10 minutes by bicycle from fresh cookies. <laughs> There's another component to that. It ranks right up there with having Charles Ryrie my teacher, Dr. Ryrie, to also become my colleague, to also become my friend. I think Dr. Master's father is the only person on the planet that could get away with calling Dr. Ryrie Chuck, because Charles Ryrie was never a Chuck. <laughs> we just cataloged the number of men that have been through our lives, a number of strong and delightfully saved women down through the ages that have impacted us. They've mentored us. They walk through our lives in such magnificent fashions. They've pulled us along. They've corrected us. They've jumped in the middle of our back and up in our face when we needed it and put their arms around us and loved us when we needed it. And I think one of the greatest joys at this point in my life is that I've had the opportunity to do that with you. At 74, I don't quite remember being your age. But one of the things that I find most beautiful, especially in a Christian context, is to watch teenagers, adult bodies running around with children's minds and hearts in them, and walk through this institution and leave here adults in love with the Lord Jesus and finding a companion for life. Let me rip off Paul for just a minute. I thank my God in my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my heart, for prayers for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day even until now, and I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I am thankful that I have a little piece of that Amen. in your life. Amen. Yeah.
Good morning. I want to thank you, all of my brothers, for sharing. The last couple years, I've shared something about my family, and I'm so grateful for them, my wife and kids and grandkids. This morning, I'd like to share about one book, about two blessings, and three new births, and I'll do this quickly. Years ago, John Piper had said something that I, I thought was really helpful. He said, you should try to adopt an older person who's passed along in the faith, a great spiritual uh, giant from the past, and just read what you can and be influenced by him. So the person that I chose was uh, Charles Spurgeon. And this year I had the privilege of reading a book by Tom Nettles called Living by Revealed Truth, The Life and Pastoral Ministry of Charles Spurgeon. And I read that book, it was about 700 pages, and it was so good. I, I, I read with a pencil, line by line, and, and I'm halfway through a second time. So that book has really encouraged me so much, just to be able to see others, not only living, but in the past. And particularly his emphasis on the sovereign grace of God in electing us and calling, him, calling us to himself has just been remarkable, remarkably encouraging to me. And I hope as God affirms to you your calling and your election that it will be a great comfort and a joy to know that you're loved by Jesus and he brought you to himself. So that was a book that really impacted me this year. Secondly, two blessings among many others. One of them was that my wife and I had been praying for my daughter and my son-in-law who were able to move close by. They live three houses from us, but he lost his job and I asked the students to be praying with me and my church and many were praying with me for almost nine months he was without a job, and it looked very much like they were going to have to move. So they had to live out of their retirement for nine months. But I praise the Lord that this past year, the Lord not only gave him a good job, which allowed him to stay close by, but he was given stock in the company, which came out to be almost exactly what he had tapped into out of his retirement. So I'm so thankful for that blessing. Another blessing was that this summer I was having breakfast with Joe Foch, who's a, a wonderful pastor. Many of you are from the school or from Calvary Chapel. And he said to me, yeah, I'm leading a tour to Israel. Would you like to go with me? And I didn't even have to pray about it. I said, yes, I would like to do that. And so I had the privilege of just coming back a few weeks ago from an 11 day trip to the Holy Land, which was a remarkable blessing. It's the second time I've been there, but just I'm so thankful for that I'm thankful for Joe's kindness and I'm thankful for just the way that that impacted me and blessed me, and again, just a wonder of God's grace. And then three new births. I ask the Lord on a regular basis, and I want to encourage you to do this. Pray that God would speak through you to someone else. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be uniquely um, outgoing. You shall receive power from the Holy Spirit. That's right. But the Apostle Paul told us to pray that God would give us opportunities to share our faith. And so I ask the Lord on a regular basis, would you bring people into my life that I might have the privilege of connecting with them? It's all by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all by God's grace and his glory. But it's a joy to see the Lord bring people to himself. And I want to mention three real quick. One is a student here. I won't mention their name, but early in the semester, they said to me, you know, I don't know the Lord, but I want to find him. And about three weeks into the class, they stayed afterward and um, we sat and talked, and the Lord had been working in their heart, and they're here today, but I wouldn't bring any attention to them because that'll be up to them to confess with their mouth, but it's been a joy to see how that person has 
come to Christ and been growing and seeing them talk about the change that the Lord has made. So that was one. The second one was uh, one of our pastors um, in our church, a young man that I had mentored who's now on staff with us at Riverstone Church, his father had nothing to do with Christ for the last, for his whole life. And this summer he was visiting and the Lord put in my heart just to call him and say, hey, you wanna get together? I wanna talk to you about your relationship with the Lord. Just don't know where that came from. He goes, yeah, I would like that very much of which his son almost had a heart attack when he told him, Pastor Tom's gonna to talk to me about my relationship with Christ. He came to my house, he talked for about two hours and he gave his life to Christ and it was remarkable. He's grown so much, um, planning to be baptized. So it was a staggering example of God's grace. And as my dear brother, Pastor John said, he goes, I, I would have never thought my dad would come to the faith, all by the work of God's grace. And then the third one, this summer I was up in Maine and I'd met some, some students from Turkey that were there for the summer. And I had been praying for God to give me a chance to talk to them about the Lord. And he opened up a door for me to meet with them. But then I found out that there were actually 11 international students who were in Maine for the summer. And so I asked the Lord, would there be a way to speak to all of them about Christ? That Sunday, I had found out that a lady that sponsored it owned a restaurant in the town. That Sunday, I met someone after church. And she said, oh, I own such and such a restaurant. I said, oh, that's really cool. I said, do you know about the international students? He goes, yeah, I'm in charge of that. And I said, I would love to speak to them about Christ, of which she said, I would love for you to do that. I got a phone call that afternoon from her friend who brought her. She said, that's the first time she came. Her name is Shanna. And she said, Shanna gave her life to Christ this morning while you were preaching. So again, a wonder of God's grace. So one book, two blessings, and three new births. And I want you to know that God can work through all of us. Just allow the Holy Spirit to use you, all because of the blood of Christ. Amen? Thank you. I just want to publicly thank the Lord for, publicly here, things I thank the Lord for every day. And I think I have pictures because I'm pop-pop now. So we have to show pictures, right? Do we have some? Yeah. So, yeah. I am so thankful. People tried to warn me about becoming a grandparent, and I listened to them and thought I understood. But then when I became Pop-Pop, wow, amazing. So I think we have a picture of Everett first, right? Do we have Everett? There he is. Yep. So uh, Everett was born, and his mom and dad started talking about daycare options. And we heard, my wife and I heard that, and my wife said, I'm your daycare option. <laughs> so she had, she had worked here for 16 years, and she left her job here, and now she has the great privilege of spending a lot of time with Everett, and I also sneak over there quite often. So, so very thankful for Everett. And our family, the Mikulak family, had a very difficult year this year, this calendar year, with some things that happened. We lost one baby, which we were really sad about, but the Lord blessed us with two other babies. And I wanted to tell you first about Wilbur. He's the cutest baby in the world. It was last fall, fall of 2018, that we found out that Wilbur would probably be born with Down syndrome and Kleinfelder's disorder. And we prepared for his, for his birth. And at first, we were very confused. Um, I think we felt some anger and we, we, we questioned the Lord. And it was very difficult. And then what happened was, as the year turned over this year, 2019, 
my daughter, Leah, she went into labor prematurely, uh, over eight weeks early. And we knew with the problems that Wilbur would have that it would be unlikely that he would survive the birth. So we started to ask people to pray. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ and answered prayers because it's real. People all over the world started to pray. We prayed every day for one more day. One more day that she wouldn't have the baby, that he would be able to go, go a little bit longer to get a little bit bigger. And do you know, he went almost full term. The doctors that cared for her said that they've never seen a case where she was as far along as early as she was and the baby wasn't born. And they even considered it to be a miracle. We considered a miracle. Uh, they told us later that Wilbur would have, wouldn't, most likely would not have survived if he was born early, but here he is. He does have Down syndrome, Kleinfelter's disorder. He was born with a cataract on one eye. He has AV heart valve um, defect, which there are two holes in his heart. And people kept praying for Wilbur. And you know, even now, I'll meet someone from the other side of the world, and before they even say, Matt, how are you? They'll say, how's Wilbur? And I, and I appreciate that because prayer is so powerful. Do you know that there's two holes in his heart, and they told us he'd have to have heart surgery by two months old, and he's nine months old now, and the doctors are looking at scans of his heart, and they, they look at and look again, and they said, the, the hole in the bottom of his heart is closing on its own. And we know it's, it's the Lord, isn't it? It's the Lord's power. And he allows us to participate in that through prayer. And the body of Christ joins together. And we, we thank the Lord publicly for little Wilbur. It's been very difficult for his mom and dad. And his pop-pop has sleepless nights. But you know, through we have eyes of faith, not human eyes. And when we see... What God's going to do through Wilbur, we give thanks. I can already see it, how Wilbur is opening up our eyes to see so many things, to thank him in new ways, and to see how Wilbur already is winning the hearts of so many people. He's just an amazing, amazing little fella. His, his doctors told his mom and dad that the, the uh, pregnancy should be terminated, and we thank God for life and for how God's using little Wilbur. I have another picture, and it's little Mark. He was born on September the 10th, and, <laughs> and what a little treasure he is. And um, our hearts you know, were worried after what happened with Wilbur, and he was born, and the pediatrician came in, and I was in the room when the pediatrician checked him over completely and said, he's perfect. And I just, had, I just put a sigh of relief and thanked the Lord. And the very next day, I was in the room again, and another pediatrician that I hadn't met yet rushed into the room and he said, what is this baby still doing here? He needs to be in ICU. And it shocked all of us. We didn't know what to think. We thought maybe he was in the wrong room. But here this doctor had detected an extremely rare genetic deficiency that is in little Mark. And they rushed him to the ICU and saved his life. Babies that have what he has, most of them, they die of sudden infant death syndrome, and they never know what it was. And this doctor, God tuned him in to this, to this disorder, 
and he detected it and saved his life. So Mark, that's a lifetime condition that he'll have, but he'll have to eat often. Right now he has to eat every three hours through the night and he's fine, but um, he's here. God saved his life. We believe God has a purpose for Wilbur and for Mark and for each one of you. God has a purpose for your life. He is a God that has everything under control. He is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is eternal, infinite, unchangeable in his power and perfection, his goodness and glory, his wisdom, his justice and truth. And nothing happens except through him and by his will. And he is a God, he is, he is a Lord, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness. And I just praise the Lord for these new lives and for the privilege of being a pop-pop and to see what God's gonna do through them and through you.